the twelfth adventure of siegfried the dragon slayer by anonymous this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by phil schempf of the great wonders which siegfried saw in the dragon's rock siegfried being aware of the treachery of the giant now made him go on before and so they arrived at the cave which was concealed behind the water that fell from on high here they were first obliged to creep down eight fathoms then the giant scraped away the earth and leaves from the ground and a large iron lock was visible this he unfastened and lifting up a heavy iron plate under which ran a stone staircase cooperin bade siegfried go before but the hero looked angrily at him and said thinkest thou that i have so soon forgotten thy treachery that thou openest a new trap for me then he took the large key from the lock and pushed the giant on with it and made him run quickly down the steps siegfried and the dwarf following after they passed through long passages which led right and left into the interior of the mountain in which a person ignorant of the place would soon be lost for one might wander there days and days without finding an outlet the giant would doubtless have led the hero through byways into some abyss where he would have fallen headlong and either have dashed out his brains against the rocks or perished of hunger and thirst among poisonous snakes but the giant was afraid of the dwarf who was well acquainted with the mountain upon the walls siegfried saw the blackened skeletons of various animals of frightful forms and prodigious size the dwarf told him these were the dragons who for centuries had lived here in alliance with the giants some of them still held in their claws the skeletons of those creatures that had fallen their victims others still stretched out their jaws as if to vomit fire and poison going further they came to a hall which was so lofty that the highest oak would not have reached the roof in the middle of the apartment burned a dark red fire and around it stood a circle of altars of stone stained with blood this is the great burial place of the giants said Eugeline, and siegfried saw their corpses lying in two rows on stone shields with stone clubs on the altars near the fire the prisoners whom they took were slain as death offerings and their blood was drunk at the funeral feast they now passed through many passages till they came to a hall which shone so bright that siegfried was obliged to hold his shield before his eyes to prevent being dazzled the hall looked like a vast arbor the walls were composed of shining trees which twined their leaves and branches close together fruits of silver and gold shone among the dark green foliage and creeping plants of all kinds wound round the stems these however were none of the plants which grew on the soil of the earth above but only rare and precious metals that lie hid in the interior of the earth the most beautiful objects of all were the flowers which bloomed around in a thousand varied colors they were the precious stones that lie concealed in the mines elves and dwarves and tiny men of elegant shape and aspect tripped nimbly to and fro to tend the flowers to water the trees and to pluck the fruits they wore garments white as the daylight and zealously performed their duty without looking up 
from this hall siegfried entered a second constructed of pure crystal in the midst stood transparent pillars in two rows and brilliant streams of water poured from them forming arches of varied colours the foot of the columns was adorned with costly shells from which sprung up water plants encircling the columns with their flowers little water sprites peeped out from the foliage and held flowers in their mouths from which they playfully spouted water beneath in the green grass sat sea nymphs combing their long wet hair others were playing on harps while their sisters danced in graceful movements around the pillars so strange yet so sweet were the tunes to the songs that whoever heard them once could never forget them the third hall which succeeded this was of blue transparent jasper on the ceiling beamed stars of gold and the sun and moon sat on shining horses of light and played at ball with the morning and evening stars high above was perched a mighty eagle when he expanded and flapped his wings the breeze floated now louder now more gently through the hall and the birds began to sing around the giant now complained that he must rest on account of his wounds so they seated themselves and while siegfried looked around in astonishment Ugolein, the dwarf king said it may well surprise thee how a dragon can have so many splendid apartments since his abode is the darkness of night but thou wilt see another chamber still which outshines this as the noon excels the morning the halls represent the elements and for many a century thousands of industrious dwarves have labored here and the hammer has never been out of their hands but all this now belongs to the dragon whom we are compelled to serve and if thou canst not overcome him he will kill us all with his poisonous breath and the maiden will be irrecoverably lost yet it was not always so as my forefathers have told me there was a time when blessed spirits lived on earth in joy and unity in dwellings of heavenly light no sword or pointed dagger was then made nor did the sweat of slavery run from man's brow vases for offerings alone came from our forges from which pure incense rose up to heaven life was a pleasure and labor sport and on bright and shining seats sat the aussie the fathers of mankind and read from iron tablets the sacred maxims of eternal wisdom and the laws of the inscrutable deity whose name none ventures to utter but from the bosom of night rose loki the prince of darkness in a form of beauty with smiling countenance and seductive speech the arch deceiver appeared before the patriarch of our race who believed his smooth words they pledged a brotherly love to each other and in token of amity they mingled their blood this was the beginning of all evils the deceived one knew not that the old dragon the enemy of gods and men the father of darkness had infused into him his own poisonous breath and there also arose from the bosom of the same night where the fiery dragons dwell with savage giants an evil enchantress who was versed in all black arts in pleasing form she appeared before our fathers and on her forehead shone a rich ornament of gold which she had formed by magic power from stolen rays of heavenly light 
and as the fathers looked in her glowing eyes and the dazzling brilliancy of the false gold enchained their looks the cunning deceiver whispered to them and avarice envy and discord arose in their hearts then all oaths and vows of fidelity were forgotten and the first battle was fought on earth ever since a fearful curse has rested on alluring magic gold which was the cause of the evil the Aussie, when they came to their senses would fain have destroyed in the fire the enchantress with her treacherous wealth but thrice she rose from the flames uninjured and laughed them to scorn when after being pierced with the spear she was again thrown into the flames the crafty deceiver approached the fire took her half-consumed heart from her bosom and swallowed it with the heart he became possessed of all her magic arts and power but he had also imbibed all her wickedness her evil desires and savage lust thus the flames of vice ever burned more darkly and fiercely in his bosom and he considered only how he might destroy both heaven and earth in one vast conflagration but the hypocrite would not cast off his dazzling appearance for he was bent on more surely effecting the destruction of all now he married a giantess a base witch the daughter of primeval night who continually brooded over and foretold mischief and she produced three monsters from whom all other monsters have come upon the earth her first child was the great serpent of the world who concealed at the bottom of the sea winds his folds around the earth holds his tail in his mouth and swallows all that approaches him if the water becomes too dry and shallow he turns in raging anger and the earth trembles at his convulsions the second monster was the great wolf of the abyss who is equalled by no other in savage cruelty and strength from his nostrils he snorts forth flames his eyes scatter fire and he threatens to swallow up both sun and moon with his dark and voracious jaws the third child of this pair was the princess of the lower world and of death shuddering awe dwells in her looks and her empire is the dark valleys where the sun never smiles and clouds and mists form eternal night these three children loki caused to be brought up among the giants in the land of night where they grew to enormous size and strength but he himself kept up intercourse in various forms with our forefathers and sowed poison and destruction everywhere around loki once went forth with odin and hainer to wander over the earth they came to a piece of water named the waterfall of Andvarai in the stream sat an otter catching fish and devouring them eagerly it was not however a real otter but the son of a powerful enchanter and the brother of mimer the base smith and of fafner the dragon who dwells here on the rock catching fish and hunting were his only pleasure and he changed himself daily into an otter and caught fish in the stream which he took home where he sat in a corner and ate them he had just snapped up a fish when the treacherous loki who well knew that he was a man caught up a stone and killed him loki's companions were delighted with their prey and stripped off the skin of the otter but it so happened that in the evening they entered the dwelling of his father 
the old enchanter Rydmar, who by the skin and by their blood-stained hands perceived at once that they had slain his son with the help of his sons he took away their weapons made them prisoners and threatened to be revenged on them unless by way of atonement they filled the skin of the otter and covered the outside of it with gold so that not a hair could be seen odin and hainer were compelled to remain with him for they sent loki forth to get the gold because he was the most cunning so he went again to the waterfall and there made prisoner a dwarf who kept concealed in his cave the richest treasure known to mankind beside an infinite quantity of gold and diamonds there was also a miraculous helmet the sight of which makes all living things tremble a tarn cap which bestows invisibility and strength upon the wearer and the sword balmung against which no shield is proof the most precious object however was a gold ring of wondrous power whoever possessed it was sure never to want gold for it always increased according to his wish the ring however was made of false gold which the enchantress had brought from the bosom of night for the purpose of deception and it was the cause that oaths were first broken and blood was shed in the first battle on it also rested the primeval curse for it brought evil on whoever possessed it loki compelled the captive dwarf to bring the whole of the treasure from his cave but the magic ring he concealed under his arm however loki saw the glitter of the gold and insisted on having the ring likewise the dwarf begged piteously that he would leave him this one of all his treasures but loki was inexorable then the dwarf went into his cave and uttered a fearful curse on the treasure that it might bring no good fortune to any one and on the ring that it might cause the death of any one who possessed it loki now returned to Rydmard, and they filled the otter's skin with the gold placed the animal on its feet and covered it with gold Rydmar examined the skin and perceiving a single hair required that this also should be covered with gold odin took the ring of discord from his finger and while he was covering the hair with it loki repeated the curse of the dwarf Rydmar now allowed them to go their way and from that time the treasure has been called the treasure of the nibelungen for Rydmar's family was a race of night and they were called the nibelungen it was not long before the splendor of the gold ring caught the eye of fafner and he longed to possess it for he was the strongest and fiercest of the brothers and wished to call his own all that was there he excited his brother mimer and they both went to their father and required their share of the recompense Rydmar, however refused to give up the gold and concealed it under his couch that his sons might not steal it and night and day this treasure was his anxiety and care but the ring was never out of fafner's mind in an evil hour he stole to his father's bed drew the sword balmung and plunged it into the heart of his parent as he slept when Rydmar, the old magician saw how his unfaithful son seized upon the gold he repeated with his dying breath the horrible curse which he had learned from loki and conjured his daughters to avenge his murder the curse of a dying father had its effect and fafner was immediately changed into a fierce and fiery dragon the flames of burning lust and the poison of consuming envy darted from his jaws
and nothing since has power to assuage his thirst of evil for he is ever impelled to some new deed of plunder and murder mimer his brother required from him some portion of his inheritance of blood and when fafner angrily refused him he vowed his death and for this reason he hath sent thee to him and longs to drink his blood and eat his heart for he also thirsts after this accursed gold loki the crafty deceiver who prepared this mischief did not escape the fearful punishment of his wickedness he committed many a ruthless act and became more and more cruel and daring till at last he perpetrated the most frightful deed that the human heart ever conceived odin the father of the Aussi, had a son whose whole countenance shone like the sun and whose mild and gentle looks delighted every one wise was his discourse and all his sayings came to pass before the light which beamed from his countenance impurity vanished and sin fled away hence he was named balder the good and was loved and praised by all now loki the evil one hated no one so much as balder the good and would rather have lost his own life than that he should continue to live evil dreams and forebodings troubled the good balder fearing some dread misfortune the Aussi sent to frigga requesting that she would extract an oath from all and everything on earth trees and animals stones and diseases poisons and snakes that they would not injure balder the good whom all so loved all promised the goddess and the Aussi, highly delighted placed the illustrious youth in the midst of them and in sport threw sharp spears and pointed stones at him nothing injured him for he was sacred to all things loki stood by and watched the sport with envious eyes then he assumed the form of a woman went to frigga and told her with feigned delight of the sport of the Aussi, and cunningly asked her if all had pledged her their oath and if none was forgotten frigga said eastward from valhalla grows a mistletoe i passed it by for it seemed to me too tender to do any harm when loki heard these words he immediately went and cut a slip from the plant for a dart then he returned to the sport and went up to hurder who stood by and took no part in the pastime because he was blind loki gave the dart into his hand and desired him to throw it in honour of the beloved balder and that he himself would guide his arm hoder threw the dart and balder fell pierced and dead on the ground the Aussi were struck to dumb with terror and grief and each looked speechless at the other for they saw in balder's death a presage of their own destruction and that of the whole visible world since the curse had come upon it through the evil one whom they had received among them and with whom they had mingled their blood but odin forbade them to take revenge because the spot was dedicated to peace with great lamentation they buried the corpse by the seaside and all the families of mankind even the giants from the icebergs came to the interment nana the wife of balder died of a broken heart and was buried by his side lastly odin approached the corse and whispered in its ear no one knows the words of farewell he uttered but some say he spoke of a happy meeting again thereupon the Aussi sent hermodur the brother of balder down to the pale goddess of the dead to entreat her to restore the murdered balder to the upper world 
Hermodur rode for nine nights through the deep valleys of the shades which lead to the kingdom of the dead then he came to a stream and rode over a bridge which shone with gold it was guarded by a maiden of a bold and confident aspect armed with sword and shield what wilt thou here she cried five troops of courses rode over yesterday and the bridge trembled not thus thou hast not the look of the dead when hermodur spoke to her of balder she bade him ride further toward midnight he came to a castle leaped over the high gate and stepped into the hall of the pale princess of the dead around her stood the maidens who accompany the dead in their journey to the tomb behind her stood a red cock and at her feet lay pain weariness and exhaustion there he saw balder and his wife sitting on high but the princess replied to his request now i can prove whether it be true as the report declares that balder is so beloved by all his return to the light shall be permitted if all things alive and dead lament his death balder gave his brother a miraculous ring for odin by way of remembrance then they parted and hermodur returned the Asi immediately sent out their messengers into the wide world to beg all creatures to release balder with their tears all nature the birds of the forest the flowers of the meadow and the beasts of the field lamented the murdered one who had been their joy and delight as the messengers were returning home with joy they found a hideous giantess sitting in a cave who exclaimed no tears will i shed for one whose life or death troubles me not the pale princess of the shades may keep him the messengers at once perceived that this was no other than the base loki the old murderer and liar who thus prevented the deliverance of balder and they returned home sorrowful loki however urged by the fear of punishment and haunted by the thoughts of his own wickedness flew off to a mountain where he built a house with four gates facing the four winds all night he watched in the day he changed himself into a fish and concealed himself in a waterfall but fearing that they would catch him there he made himself skilfully a little net that he might practise how to escape from its meshes but the wicked loki was caught in his own snare for as he was weaving it the aussie came he quickly threw the net into the fire and leaped into the water but the aussie saw the enchanted net in the flames and immediately made one exactly like it as broad as the stream in which loki had hidden himself then they stretched it out and went along the stream to catch the cunning serpent loki swam away from the net and concealed himself between two stones so that the net passed over him still they could perceive that something living had touched it so they fastened heavy balls to it and the net then sank so close to the ground that loki could not creep away from it then he swam to the mouth of the stream and they saw him suddenly leap over it and turn back to the waterfall so they returned back a third time divided themselves into two bands and one of them thor the strong went through the middle of the stream loki was again driven towards the sea he was afraid to swim into it and leaped into the air when swift as lightning thor caught him and held him by the tail they bore him immediately to a dark and deep cavern and then piled up three stones through which they bored a hole a son of loki changed into a wolf was there devouring his own brother and with the entrails of this infernal offspring they bound the father fast to the stones 
for no other tie could hold him then a giantess whose father he had murdered approached and hung over him a poisonous snake which dropped its burning venom on his face but the ossi allowed sigan his wife to attend him in his torment she holds a cup under the snake and catches the poison but when she goes out to empty the cup as it becomes filled and the poison drops like fire upon his brow he writhes in anguish so that the whole earth trembles and thus he must ever live until that day when heaven and earth shall be destroyed and till then the struggle will continue with his poisonous brood the giants enchanters and dragons which our ancestors the ossi commenced and which you the heroes now continue while king Eugline related this with a very serious and solemn air the giant had leaned his head on his hands and fallen fast asleep and it was with the greatest difficulty that siegfried could awaken him then they went quickly on and came to the fourth hall which as Eugline said surpassed the others in miraculous splendour around the walls burnt fire white flames and blue and red and green wound round in figures of varied kinds flowers and birds and beasts then suddenly a thousand sparks shot forth and transformed themselves in the air into shining stars golden crowns and wreaths of flowers in the middle of the hall was a basin with a golden rim from the midst of which grew an ash tree that reached to the ceiling the ground in which it stood was crystal clear so that all its roots could be seen as if it stood mirrored in a lake siegfried could not sufficiently admire this tree which the dwarfs had so skilfully made green leaves and golden fruits adorned the widespread boughs and dropped their dews of honeyed sweetness above on the summit sat a royal eagle with a bright and piercing glance and spread out his broad wings on his head stood a hawk below on the ground were standing on the four sides four stags which stretched out their necks upwards and ate the leaves of the tree three roots ran from it into the crystal basin the middle root went deep into the abyss below there lay an enormous dragon enveloped in darkness swelling with poison and gnawing incessantly at the root around him crawled a thousand poisonous serpents and hungry wolves and a dark vapour ascended from the pit in the midst of it was a seat on which sat a female with a crown on her head a pallid countenance and with a dark dress behind her on the back of the seat stood a large flame-coloured cock at whose feet grazed a raven-black horse near a rushing stream the second route ran from the ash towards the north there masses of ice lay piled up on each other and therein sat great giants around an enormous horn from which issued a spring opposite to this route ran a third which was surrounded with light and from a spring near it came forth sky-blue water two white swans were swimming in the water and three beaming maidens stood on the margin and took up water in golden vessels and sprinkled the tree around the spring were placed twelve royal seats or thrones upon which sat princes and princesses with golden crowns a squirrel ran nimbly up and down the trunk from the eagle on the top to the serpent below siegfried looked at all this with amazement and asked the dwarf what was the meaning of the tree that replied the wise king is the celebrated ash-tree yggdrasil an image of the world 
the leaves of the tree are the clouds and the golden fruits are the stars of heaven the eagle that floats above is the king of heaven who with searching eye overlooks the world the stem is the earth and thence a root goes down into the depths below where sits the princess of the lower world near her grazes the horse who brings to her the dead from life and behind her sits the red cock when the cock begins to crow the world is destroyed the dragon that vomits flames and the serpents are the subterranean fire and fierce storms which agitate earth and sea and the wild desires and passions which disturb the breast of man and undermine his life and gnaw continually until the tree is destroyed the beautiful fountain with the golden seats near the second root to the right is the south portion of the world the three maidens are the three fates who spin the thread of life the two swans of light are the sun and moon and around shine the princes of heaven with their crowns the root on the left is the north portion of the earth there stands the lofty icebergs there rises the sea and there lies the great horn from which at the last day when the six winters of the world have passed away the summons to the last judgment will be sounded its call will summon all from the highest heaven above to the deepest abyss below the leaves of the tree will tremble with fear and its boughs will shake and the earth will be convulsed and the sea will roar then all ties will be loosened and torn asunder the serpent of the world will rise with giant fury out of the water the wolf will spring howling from the abyss and open wide its jaws at heaven the dwarfs will sigh at the gates of rock fires will rage around the tree of the world the sun and moon will be swallowed up by the wolves of darkness and the stars will fall from the sky the day will be turned into night and loki will appear with all his evil spirits from hell and the heroes will contend with him in the last great contest of the world the deity who first created all things and sent light into the world will consume the corrupted earth with his purifying fire when however the last battle has been fought when the dying heroes shall have conquered the powers of darkness and the flames have consumed the world then a new morning will dawn in the heavens a new and more happy earth will arise the seeds will grow up of themselves and sparkling waterfalls will gush forth over the smiling verdure of the meadows then the good will receive their reward and will again become possessed of the brazen tablets of eternal wisdom which they lost in the beginning of time but the bad the perjurers murderers and deceivers will wade in streams of poison on the strand of corpses in the hall of serpents and the old dragon with his brood will fall into the abyss end of the twelfth adventure